Welcome to Defropology, a podcast slash show where we talk about deaf. My name is Jeffrey, and my fun fact of the week is... Oh, my fun fact of the week is I can tube ride on a boat while also having a child on my shoulders and stand up at the same time. I can't imagine how you found that one out. I told my cousin, who's like eight, to climb on my back, and then I picked myself up and them up while standing on a tube while it's moving on a boat. Dude, I haven't gone tubing in like forever, but we have a show to run. Uh, By the way, my name is Misha, and this fact is coming at you a little bit late, but I Miss Girl has her motorcycle license. Misha is now that bad girl in every uh, Wattpad novel. Oh god, ew. Yeah, I took a course a couple weekends ago and it was super fun. She's not like those other girls. She's mysterious. <laughs> not like other girls. She wants to start a motorcycle girl gang in Iowa. Anyways, if you are a woman in Iowa and you have your motorcycle license, please reach out. Our socials are deathropology on Instagram and deathropology at gmail.com. Do not hesitate. Question of the week this week is, would you ever want to make a video of yourself to be played at your funeral? What would you say if you did? And spill from Talk Daft Daily on Instagram. If I had a video of myself, I would want a montage of my life. Make just little snippets of video for me. I don't want nothing done else because I feel like people would do weird stuff that I would not approve of. So just good old footage that's not too embarrassing. <laughs> oh, and also, uh, if I said anything in it before I died, I'd be like, I know you miss me because I'm not awesome of a person, but don't be chill upset love you <laughs> I, I was reading through the comments of that post and a lot of them were like i'm just gonna list some random coordinates and let my relatives be confused or like i'm gonna say something just like super cryptid but honestly i think it would have to be like multiple videos like i'd have to make one like every year depending on my circumstances and then that gets really convoluted and I think I don't know it's really hard to judge because you don't know when you're gonna die right actually I think my video would be me that taking it seriously and cracking up and making jokes to lighten the mood at the funeral I'd be like I have a secret love child this is their name this is who I fathered the oh or maybe even I think I would maybe read off like really bad jokes from google and just see and like try to make people laugh really awkwardly imagine if you turn into to a revenge thing like for two reasons why where at your funeral video you just started spouting at everything you hated about everyone who's at the funeral or you invited to it oh that's so mean-spirited i know i was like just imagine if someone did that you just go to a funeral thinking it's like oh this person forgave me nope psych you know how like when someone's like spouse dies they tend to say like oh they would have wanted you to move on and it's like no no i wouldn't be just super petty about it for no no real reason i want you to be single forever i want you to never find love again i changed you I and mean, if you're 85 you can hold on five years. <laughs> i think it's just interesting to like that some people are super bitter i'm not telling you no but i'm not saying yes yeah exactly but i anyone who wants to like dm us with their response i'm very curious Uh, but moving on to this week's topic we're actually going to be talking about death and one's own career in that dynamic it'll be more of like a more opinionated more philosophical than our previous episode about bereavement leave but i think it's an interesting conversation to have yeah so call us the socrates and aristotle of death because today we're diving deep 
into the psyche of work and death. Wait, who would be Aristotle and who would be Socrates? I think you'd be Aristotle because Aristotle was concerned with politics. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you, I feel like Misha, you'd just be like, why? I mean... I mean, probably. I think a lot of Aristotle's thoughts were a bit convoluted. Sounds like me. What? As it sounds like me as a person. Convoluted. (laughs) But it's also like, how much can I take seriously from someone who thought that women couldn't reason fully? Oh, so you're trying to say that I'm a misogynist. (laughs) No, I'm trying to say that Aristotle was misogynist. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Moving on, though. So the first, I was inspired, like, to start to have an episode about this topic because in winter term this year, I was forced to read a couple chapters of work by Lars Svensson. And he's he's somewhere somewhere in the Nordic countries. I think he's a Swede, but I'm not sure. Um, but he wrote this book, and essentially his argument. Can you repeat just the part where you said reintroducing the book? Because on my end, you cut off for a second. And I don't know if that's going to be in the recording or not. Uh, okay. So the reason why I really wanted to do an episode about this topic was because a couple months ago in one of my classes I was first to read work by Lars Fenson or some chapters of it not the full book and his argument is essentially that people need to work to live a balanced life uh that like so the main point is like a job doesn't need to be fulfilling emotionally it just needs to like fill a gap in time for you where you're not at home um this also assumes like you're an adult with like a nine to five it's not necessarily about like students who are working part-time or emergency workers or like people with intensive jobs necessarily and he asked the question like who are we without work and the relationships we have at work what is home except for like a second workplace you know is working at home more stressful than the work you do as a career person you know so i should clarify myself uh he means like work like home being a second workplace as like having to deal with your family and do laundry and cook and things like like doing household chores Mm is its own separate category of work after the work you do during the day at an office job. That's what he was saying. Not so much. This book was written in 2016. It's pre-pandemic. It's pre-Trump even, you know? Do you think chores are second work, Misha? Yes. Yeah, I do too. Like, I hate doing laundry. Bane of my existence. I know I hate capitalism, but if I could afford a maid, I'm not saying I wouldn't hire one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, then that becomes their work. Yeah, but they're getting paid for it. Right. <laughs> I don't know. It's difficult to say he also speaks to like the progression of work aristotle mentions work as like merchants and they're unworthy of a political life and then it kind of turned into like the protestant work work ethic that we have today where you want to earn as much money at a calling or a vacation you know and not necessarily spend the money and this is extremely simplified and then like adam smith released his book that i can't remember the title of what is it called the wealth of nations so adam smith like 
like. And Benjamin Franklin kind of did the same thing. And we're talking about economics and it's super boring. And now we work to make money without any or without much regard for one's calling, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense. It's just, <laughs> I mean, is it Adam Smithing or Adam Smith? I put Adam Smithing as like a verb. Oh, okay. <laughs> I like that point he makes about like people who work less, but productivity is higher. People who work longer tend to live longer. Uh, people who can perceive home to be like a second more stressful workplace. Like, like just like reading that line, that makes a lot of sense. I've never really thought about it that way. Yeah, I mean, because in general, like people who retire like relatively early die pretty early. Like he mentioned specific numbers within the book. And I guess I have like anecdotal evidence in my personal life, you know. But at the same time, I wonder, like, what if you have a career that you hate? Then what's the value in living longer, you know? Getting a new career? So I I guess I mean like old people that are like towards retirement anyways. Like what if most of their family is dead? What if they don't really have, what if they don't feel like they have anything to stick around for, you know? Plenty of fish. Bingo. I mean, you can do whatever you want with your life. Like I could fill up my time easily without having a job. Same. And me and me should be raiding cemeteries. I mean, yeah. And Spencer mentions this himself as like his, his job is just like reading books all day and then like responding to those books essentially you know as like a university worker but I don't know I guess it depends on how you define work and of course as someone who gets to like read all day like if I could read all day that wouldn't feel like a job to me personally because I like reading and I think it's interesting but like Purdy City felt like a job it felt like an obligation it felt like you know it felt like a lot I feel like the familial piety without the familial part By the way, are we still on that, uh, Lars? We can move on from it. Now, like, is there anything left you want to say? Well, overall, like, I only summarized some very, like, vague aspects of the book. I would encourage anyone to read it for themselves and kind of take their own reflections from it. But one of the questions that, like, came out of it were, like, well, what about people with really intensive jobs? Or what about, like, like, I know people in America who are working super hard straight out of university, like, 80 hours a week at some, like, accounting job, you know? And that's such, like, not that many people live that type of life, but what about them, you know? There's no discussion of, like, work beyond the nine to five, and I think that discussion could have been had a little bit more, but... Especially in countries with, like, really toxic work cultures, like Japan, where, like, you're supposed to go out to the bar with your, like, boss and the co-workers, and it's expected of you. Oh, for real. And, like, I was watching a K-drama, it's called Missing, and it's about, like, office culture, and these interns are competing with each other. It just seems like so much, you know? Like, the things you have to do to get ahead just seems so vastly unrealistic. That's me thinking about Grey's Anatomy. I swore when I was younger, I just thought the workforce was you romancing your co-workers <laughs> and just living with the daily drama of the office. Ooh. Have you ever seen Grey's Anatomy, Misha? No. Watch just the first episode. That is so fun. It's changed your life. How long is the first episode? 40 minutes. Oh, God. That's an eternity in itself. So there's a question of what happens when you're, be- there's that age old question of what happens when your career becomes your whole identity. Oh, that's still recording. I thought I paused it. Oops. Uh, it's the age old question of what happens when your career becomes your whole identity. In our article, Jenna Koretz uses the term enmeshment.
enmeshment. Am I saying that right? Enmeshment is the term uh, used to describe a situation where the boundaries between people become blurred and individual identities lose importance. Enmeshment prevents the development of a stable and dependent sense of self. Some points she makes in the article are work culture promotes working longer hours in order to get promotions, raises, bonuses, acknowledgement, etc. Even when off of work, many find themselves tethered to checking email. Societal expectations often value certain careers. I know like as someone, this might be a stereotype, but this is, I've heard this growing up. Oh, it'd be great if you became a doctor, like lawyer. Like when I think of these jobs, I think of like engineer, doctor, lawyer, the quote unquote higher paying jobs. Um, Sometimes they, people even place titles over one's mental health or well-being. And then careers such as high pressure ones mentioned in the article can open up a new lifestyle for the individual. People form identities over their wealth, affluence, and success. This can be seen for their homes, cars, and attending events such as charity gals, etc. And even if you don't have one of those really high paying jobs, some people like to pretend they do. So they'll act like they have this great job and then they'll be taking, like if you've seen like the um, flex culture on Instagram, these people do not make that much money, but they have these fake Louis Vuitton bags, the fake shine clothes. And they're like living their best life with their Photoshop and everyone falls for it. So um, one thing the offer advises is slowly disconnecting yourself from your career by exploring new hobbies outside of work, rebuilding your social network so it's not just coworkers. Think of what's important to you and think past your job. Do you have any thoughts on this, Nisha? Yeah, because like other than that book that I had to read for, it was a business ethics class. Like other than that book, the other like driving question that I had is that most headstones say like a person's relationships, you know, like mother of blank, aunt blank, daughter, whoever, right? But they don't say like tax accountant, you know, they don't like relate back to a person's career, you know, and there's so much emphasis on your career. Like when you're in your 20s, or like when you're still alive, you introduce yourself as like, hey, I'm an accountant. And then you die and you're that's suddenly not important. You know, do you think it should be on someone's like tombstone, or, like headstone, if it was something they found really meaningful? I mean, yeah, and I there's some headstone that I've seen that like don't list relationships or jobs like at all and then you look up that person later and you find their obituary and it's like oh they were a really important person and oftentimes obituaries contain career information but the headstone won't you know yeah I get what you mean like I don't know there's that extra layer of digging but if you had the money would you get one of those like big um mausoleums no there's they seem so gaudy I mean some of them are really like pretty and artful but like on the other end there's some that are just weird of doom and gloom. Oh, wait, did you ever see that Caitlin Doty episode where she talks about the Kardashians um, death episode? Oh, God. Yeah. If I had, like, a family dynasty, I'd totally buy a family mausoleum. And then, to make my descendants rich, we will if you have people pay to come view. <laughs> have, like, a ticket booth right in front of your mausoleum. Yikes. Or, and it's, like, all the food soup there was the favorite foods of the deceased. Turn your open casket funeral into an arcade cabinet. I don't know. You know me so well, Misha. <laughs> like, they'd have to play, like, tall Tetris. Or, like, I was trying to think of that. It's, like, pachinko, but it's not. I'm trying to remember. Yeah. Our memory is bad today. We apologize. Misha's going to be buried with her helmet, her motorcycle helmet, <laughs> and her motorcycle gloves. My, my brain came off with it. What is it? What's up? I thought you said your brain come up, came up with it. When I took off the helmet, my brain went with it. Oh, oh. I thought you, thought, I thought you remember what the thing was called. Mm, no, I cannot remember what it's called. Called, but it's an arcade game you pull
pull it back, send the ball up, and then you try to prevent it from going through the goal. Mm. Yeah, and video games aside, uh, in our sources, there is an article called How Do We Want to Be Remembered? And she makes that same point about headstones and obituaries. But she also mentions a book called The Road to Character by David Brooks. And the main thesis is that there's resume values and eulogy virtues, you know, eulogy virtues being like, how good of a person were you? How good were your relationship? You know, what type of person were you? Whereas resume values are like, did you know how to code with Python? Or can you use Excel spreadsheet? You know, like the, the career building skills that don't necessarily reflect who you are as a person and I thought that was a really good way to say it to divide up those two factors that go into someone's life and how they're remembered in another article by Schraubel interviewing Mark Manson they talked about how most people chase after career goals as they are more tangible and easily in an article by Schraubel interviewing Mark Manson they talked about how most people chase after career goals as they are more tangible and easily they are more tangible and easily measured and they can then cultivate successful relationships which are more subjective leading us lusting after superficial so basically people can kind of see how much money they're making because they can just check their bank it's hard to know what someone's thinking of you so most people just find it easier if they like if on a logical level to instead of pursuing an emotional connection to pursue financial gain and career because logistically you can measure it you it's harder to measure how someone feels about you and how relationships are yeah, that makes sense to you Michelle? Yeah, it seems, it just makes me think of like Mr. Banks from Mary Poppins, you know, but I think there's a degree where you can tell like your emotional relationships are degrading, you know, like his relationship with his children were obviously like lacking and his children knew that and he knew it, but he denied it because, you know, he was making money and that's all that matters, you know, I think that's just unfortunate, I guess. Yeah, then we have like things like find a grave and other memorial websites, leaving digital flowers and messages knowing they won't get to the person yeah and i also wanted to mention that like on find a grave there's people who like died before the internet existed who are being memorialized like in our inkle blood website website uh episode like you can actually find the clutter family graves on find a grave and you can find you know all these digital flowers being given by strangers to like people who you know didn't couldn't even like imagine the internet you know as a concept let alone the idea of like a website being dedicated to like mourning people that you never knew personally i don't know it's just such a weird not weird but it's a really interesting concept like if i died today and 200 years from now or even 50 years from now someone memorialized me through like some technology i've never heard of you know something about that just seems so like far-fetched would you ever want to be a hologram no i wouldn't mind it yeah, but they they have to create you and they have to like study your proportions that's fine no. as long as they pay me no can't you imagine the world would be such a better place if you immortalized Jeffrey. So moving on, there's another article <laughs> that's kind of in the same vein of like, how do you want to be remembered? And they mentioned this Merrill Lynch uh, study survey where they state that like more than two thirds of Americans say that they want to be remembered by the memory they've had with loved ones, not so much like their working relationships. But the, the word they use is surprisingly more than two thirds 
two-thirds of America. And I think that that's really weird. Because who's the one-third that's like, I want to only be remembered by my career? Jeff Bezos? Well, it's also because the two-thirds is saying, or two-thirds or more is saying the memories they share with their loved ones. It could be other things too. Like it could be, there. I know a lot of people who care about their achievements. So it could just be like, some people are like athletes or like maybe it's, I want to be known for my charity. Right. Or just like other things. This is just, this one's focusing on memories. So I'm wondering what the other third boys on to. I wonder how many is just their career. I wonder how many is for like charity contributions. I wonder like, yeah, I just want to, I just want to know what the other one third was exactly. You just cut out super hard for me. I don't know if that'll end up in the recording or not. Okay, I can repeat it. Yeah, I was just wondering like what that other, it says my internet is unstable. Make sure you're frozen. Um, yeah, what I also in that article, it talks about like it comes to this conclusion that more elderly people want to pass on physical assets while alive and then want to be remembered more for their virtues and values after they die, which contributes to their autonomy, especially when many lack will slash power of attorney papers or other EOL forms and helps helps inheritors find closure they may lack if affairs aren't in order. Yeah. Yeah, it contributes to their autonomy, especially when many lack the wills or powers of attorney papers or other end of life forms and helps inheritors find closure they might lack if affairs aren't in order. What do you think, Misha? That was like the most interesting conclusion that I thought, or like I thought that was the most interesting conclusion when I was reading through it because it just, it makes so much more sense than, you know, dying than having other people figure it all out, which can in a way feel kind of selfish person who is dying. But it also depends on like what condition they were in, of course. But I don't know, like my my great grandma's 93, but like she's competent she can fill out paperwork like you know but it's also somewhat of an objective fact that she's probably gonna die soon you know Uh, I guess it would generally just be more courteous in a way which not that you should necessarily care about being courteous as you're literally dying but I don't know I think it's just good housekeeping I also think a lot of people at that age which I do you've heard of those people who like try to con old people by befriending them especially when they're like lonely and their kids are and then they like befriend them to take their assets yeah that's why i think it's so important that we keep up with our elderly loved ones because i feel like sometimes especially when people have them in like house like nursing homes or everything people tend to put them to the side to take care of other things but if they i know a lot of people have had this regret and i've heard i've heard this a lot and i personally have felt i've seen my grandpa every year but i wasn't i didn't live in chicago till recently so i think for a lot of people you kind of, you're like, well, you know, they're going to go, but you don't think they're going to go back. You think you have an extra time to maybe make up when maybe you don't. So I think that we also, while it's nice for them to want to have their affairs in order, I think it's also important for the living to be there for the living while they're still living. And I also think this is, I think we've all heard of this in mental health. If someone's not also older, or even if they're older, this could also be a warning sign if someone's telling you about giving you away stuff. And you know, for a fact that like, especially if they seem perfectly healthy, that's a warning sign that they might be having suicidal thoughts that people are telling you what they would give away like out of just nowhere and you have not like let's say we're not like two pro-deaf people just talking in general and it's like mm-hmm. a red flag for them to be talking like this um i would recommend talking to your friend and maybe uh getting further professional help if you suspect and uh something else is going just that is a warning so just so you guys no no of course like there is such a vast difference between like 
like, I don't know, filling out like a living will, which is something that I have as like a just in case, you know, or, you know, like hiring an attorney to fill out an official will once you like have money. Yeah. Compared to like calling up your friend and being like, hey, when I die, you're getting X, Y, Z, because that's so like out of left field you know I feel like if it's a natural conversation about death but if it comes out of nowhere that's where I right that's where I get concerned about that type of stuff and I also I agree with what you were saying Misha about um because like I also think when I get older I want to have all my affairs in order because I personally have seen what happens when it's not done correctly or I've seen um I had like a great great who died and all of her money went to her because basically if you don't have a will it gets it gets broken in even fractions to your living descendants so all this money went to people she barely knew and we don't even know if that's what she wanted so that's why I also think it's important to have a will or to have your affairs in order especially when you're older to be to be honest you should probably have a will while you're younger because anything can happen to you and especially when you become a guardian of someone like a guardian or a parent that's like really important to have that taken care of especially if you have someone who, who if you go is depending on you yeah like I don't know how many of how much our audience like watches television dramas but do you know how many television dramas are about like someone not having their affairs in order than dying and then like their entire family turns into this like filled like cutthroat you know thing about like who can get the most money or like who did dad love the most you know with his money like it can get really ugly really fast and I think you know having your papers in order can also like you know because you're using your autonomy it can be really powerful I also have a really unpopular opinion oh. that might shake the table I don't in general agree I, I'm not saying I don't agree with inheriting me out for years the wealth gap has been reasoned by giving mediocre children large quantities of wealth from rich people and these people don't have to do oh my god I sound like I'm calling them animals. the kids of certain people literally they're just passing this money around right instead of you know all the poor people dying from starvation in these countries and such and such they're literally just passing on wealth and continuing the cycle like for example the, the racial wealth gap in the united states because slave owners were able, even though it was illegal they still were able to pass on their wealth while those who were free from slavery never had wealth to pass down so by allowing by not having like some type of i think there needs to be stricter inheritance laws am i not saying the house or I'm not saying objects should not be given I'm just saying cash assets at a certain point it's ridiculous at a certain point you're babying your kids after death I'm sorry there's no reason you a kid needs to be paid for the rest of their life into adulthood and that's just my I don't feel like it's that crazy of opinion I just think people are used to inheritance because they think they're entitled to their parents money you're not entitled to crap I'm sorry if your parent wants to give all their money away, that's fine to me. What no, do you I mean? think you're, no, I think your point makes a lot of sense. Like generational wealth is like one hell of a thing, you know? Like there's only so much money some rich kid with a dead dad can really spend. I would say give them up to two years of money to attain their lifestyle. And if they can't attain their lifestyle without you, then they don't need the money. Because I'm not saying they need to get kicked out of there. I don't know. Some rich people will be living rent to rent because they're living that up with the Joneses life train it they're living more rich than they are life so i get the two years and then need to figure that crap out because they're grieving but after that you y'all need might need to i know this word hurts rich people's ears but downside 
Yes, you might need to downsize and lower your expectations. You know, Walmart's hiring. Oh gosh. I, I think it also has a lot to do with like, how old is the kid? Is it like an adult child? Have they gone through college? Or, you know, like, is this kid in high school? I think that's also a huge factor. Yeah. But, Past, like, there's a certain age where you just need to get a life. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to age shame, but I am because I'm sorry. I hate the hip. Okay, I'm going to go on a rant. Oh, and it looks like we are at time, guys. This has been Jeffropology. Thank you for listening to us. You can follow us on our socials at D-E-A-T-H-R-O-P-O-L-O-G-Y. So follow us on Instagram. Send us an email at the same name at gmail.com. Uh, send us some fan questions if you have any. We would love to hear from you. Check out our Instagram for great graphic posts designed by Misha. Um, also check out our, um, go into our, our like little link tree and then definitely look at our um, our articles that we link because they're great. And yeah, see you next time. I've been Jeffrey. And I've been Risha. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.